Hey, Ben, how you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for having me today. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I, you know, I, I have to ask, um, I thought I would be done with asking that freaking question, but um, because of kind of the situation for almost the past two years, I need to ask you um, how, where are you located and how, it, how was and how is the pandemic going for you? So I'm in Denver, Colorado in the United States and I honestly, I feel like it's, it's definitely changed some perceptions of mine. It hasn't been bad. It hasn't been great. Uh, it's definitely just an eye-opening experience on so many different fronts of how I operate, how other people operate and how I interact with those people that, that I disagree with or that I do agree with. And so it's definitely just a, a massive of massive amount of growth and opportunity uh, this past year and a half. So it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. The uh, cleavage of opinions um, <laughs> as, has been dug deeper than ever. Right. You know, like it's just, um, it's a bit confronting to be honest. Um, you know, like it's like opening like a Pandora's box of, you know, like giving your opinion about that. You know, like, aren't we, you know, like whatever you say, you know, like, aren't we fed up of the masking? So you're still wearing a fucking mask. You know, like, and then you're like, Oh my God. Okay. I'm no, we're not going there. You know, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a series of like, you know, like, uh, I got vaccinated. You got your vaccines. You know, like, oh, yeah, I did. You know, like I want to travel, like, you know, like, cause you know, like, uh, here in Quebec, they actually uh, have officialized that there's going to be uh, a vaccine passport, mm. and with everything that comes with it, right? You know, like so at some point, it's like, I mean, you know, like it's not that, you know, like I, I don't care or I care about my freedom or not. You know, like it's not about that. You know, it's like I love traveling, and if if this stop stops me from traveling, we're gonna have a problem. You know, like so. You know, what boxes should I check <laughs> to get me out of here? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it, it's, it, yeah. It really cracks me up because there's plenty of places in the world that require you to have vaccines to travel. Like there's, you can't go to Africa or most African countries without having vac certain vaccines. And absolutely, that's what it is. Like you want to go to Africa, you got to get the vaccines. It's, and we've never challenged whatever. that, right? No. Like you never heard someone say, well, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> You're never going to believe what the <laughs> embassy of Africa told me. You know, it's like, well, sure. You know, like you don't want to die. You know, like that's yeah. kind of a good equation here. It, it just, um, it makes me laugh. And, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, fight too many fights and, and say too many things about what people choose. Cause I do believe in the power of choice. It's just when, when there are signs of like no shirt, no shoes, no service, wearing a mask is just another piece of clothing article that's on that list at this, you know, for a lot of places, some places still don't care and whatever, but it's like, yeah. why are we, you know, <laughs> you're not putting I mean, up the and, fight and, about and, wearing a shirt. So what's up? Like it's just, some things are just so silly and I just have to laugh. And you know, if you're completely against masks, by all means, be completely against masks. You have your reasons, but you know, when, <laughs> Whatever I could go on and on, but that's not why we're here. And and, and the <laughs> facts and and the facts screams right. You know, like there's yeah. there's like you see 
you know, like if, if people take uh, cautionary measures, you know, like it's a difference. And, and actually, Ben, the reason why I asked that question and, you know, like every week I kind of, you know, I get a bit of my own little sur personal survey here. But um, when, when it all began, um, I heard a lot of people falling back into deeper anxiety crisis, depression, even suicidal thoughts, um, mm -hmm. rela relapses of substances. And um, I came to believe that, you know, like at some point, my guess is that um, we will see some kind of PTSD experience from that event, you know, like, so, so for me, that's why I do ask that question is pretty much like, have you seen, um, you know, uh, you know, like people's behavior or, or, you know, like state of mind, um, you know, change or, or, you know, like digress from, you know, like their, their normal or usual state. And yeah, on a, on a, on the more serious note, I absolutely can have seen people that have kind of broken down and, and gotten depressed and, and worse off the part of me that really kind of gets, I'm going to say scared for other people is and i don't know if this is a problem up in in canada but um we have kids that live in households that are dangerous for them uh you yeah. know whether that's physical abuse emotional abuse their safe space is school and when they can't go to school uh for a whole year i really have to wonder what that does to that child's psyche to their safety to their long-term uh their longevity, uh, long-term survival, all that stuff. And it, that's the part that freaks me out the most. And it's the part that scares me. And I really hope that we put something in place for those kids that had a traumatic childhood experience during this pandemic, because while adults need mental health too, those kids are going to grow up with something that we can't even fathom at this point. And we've seen, you know, here in Quebec, there's been a lot of um, news mentioned about, you know, like, the, you know, like a, um, a, a rise in feminicide. So, you know, like that for, for, for um, women or men, but, you know, like, the, you know, like it's, it's sadly, uh, you know, like mostly women, but, you know, like that, that are in, in environment, um, violent environment. Yeah. Um, we've seen, you know, like kind of a. I wouldn't say an explosion because I don't want to fall into like the media frenzy, but you know, like there's, there was obviously more mentions of, you know, um, kind of a rise in, 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 in women being killed, you know, in, in, you know, in toxic assault. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like there's definitely, and, and my guess is that you know, like if you were already someone that was, um, susceptible of being anxious, nervous, depressed, um, the sixth or whatever, you know, count a wave that, you know, we're, we're going to end up with, but you know, like the, the kind of the N plus one wave is going to be a wave of people that, you know, like are still paranoiac, but you know, like still, you know, go through paranoia crisis because, you know, like they can't, you know, like, like for a germaphobe, that must be fucking nightmare. Right. Like, so, <laughs> It yeah. must be, you know, like, so, so you can imagine that, you know, um, people that already have like a, a good load of anxiety, um, the postmortem of that old thing is going to be to really worry and take care of the, um, people that have been actually like almost shell shocked of that, of that pandemic. Um, 
And I'm, you know, like I'm thinking about that a lot, you know, like just like, wow, you know, like are, you know, like are we equipped to, uh, handle, you know, like the, the people that are going to have been, I would almost say weakened by the, uh, by, by that, that crisis. Yeah. And I, I do think to some extent we probably are more well equipped now because we can reach the masses. We have tools that can help and support and, and more people willing to help and support. So yep. it's just whether we can get them in the right places at the right time. And I think that's the bigger, bigger question, but you know, we, we kind of have to get through this part first. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. If we can't make, out of, make it out of this alive, <laughs> then we can't help For people. For God's so. sake, please. <laughs> ASAP, you know, like that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, it and it, it drives everyone nuts. You know, I like could just, um, like I said, you know, like my wife and I with, you know, like the kid, we, we actually we try to travel at least twice a year and like either, you know, like it's freaking cold here, you know, like, so, so we try, you know, like we try to go, you know, like down South or, and, um, even, you know, like I started a new job and, you know, like I would, you know, like in, 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 in normal times, I'd, I'd be invited to travel for, you know, like some boot camp training, whatever, you know, like, so just to, you know, get up to speed to that new employer and, and they just announced like a week and a half ago that it would all be virtual, you know, like, and like, you know, like I'm so fed up of, you know, like the, the, those virtual sessions, you know, like, it's just, it's not the same. The information doesn't, you know, like you don't digest the information the same. There's a lot of, um, there's way too many, um, sim around you, right. You know, like your home, you know, like you can hear your, your son, you know, like running, up and down the house, you know, like there's, there's, there's so many stimulants in, in, in a household that, you know, like it's really hard to figure that you're as performant or you give as much as you would, um, being in the office or on the road, uh, meeting with people. It's, you know, like it's, it's completely different as, as same for like the training, you know, like they, they usually send you to the headquarter for a week, you get pretty much brainwashed you know like it's just like bam 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 they just fill your brain and when you get out of there it's just like wow okay i'm quote unquote converted <laughs> i'm ready and uh you can you can move along but you know like it's um yeah i mean it, it, there's definitely a before and after but my guess is that you know like we're um the after is going to be um somewhat skewed in, in, in a weird way, you know, like, um, I understand that, you know, I work in sales, Ben, and, you know, like, um, I actually told my colleague, um, last week that we're not in a position where we can, uh, propose to physically meet with them because at the end of the day, I look like the quote unquote peddler of the situation. And mm. I don't want that. You know, like, it's not about this. So, like, so out of respect, I need to wait until the customer opens that door or I can say, okay, yeah, I'm double shot. You know, like everything's good. I could, you know, like I, I could actually meet with you. Um, but I can't be the one trying to open or force that door to open. You know, like it has to become the other way around. So it's, um, you know, weird times, really weird. My, my son starts school next, uh, two in two weeks. And, um, they're talking about, you know, like putting masks to my kid. I'm like, geez, you know, like just, you know, give him, give him, you know, give him a break. You know, like I, I tried as much as possible for the past 
one year and a half plus, you know, like to spare my kid from realizing what was going on. You know, like he's five, you know, like I don't want him to be just like, you know, marked by that or, or so, you know, like I try to spare him as much of the consequences of that, of that thing. Um, but it's tough, you know, like, he, you know, he, just me putting the mask like daddy, you know, like, <laughs> what's wrong? You know, like, yeah, you know, I'll explain <laughs> that later. Yeah. All right. It's really bizarre, you know, like, and, and you're right about kids, you know, like there, there are, um, there are, you know, people need to realize that, you know, like the safer havens are not necessarily the house or home, you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we don't know what yeah. the long-term effects will be for kids. Like we're, I mean, my son's 12. He might end up, you know, after college in his twenties and it maybe in his thirties when he's, when he has his first child, it might hit him then. Yeah. Right. You like, we'd have no idea when something will come up because of this pandemic for those kids. And that it's, Hopefully most of them are resilient and they just don't even think twice about it later in life, but there are some that will absolutely have to have to deal with it. So, yep. All right. I mean, yeah. Thanks for that, Ben. <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, like I kind of think aloud, you know, like I, I kind of think pretty much aloud of, you know, like, like the consequence of that and you know like and, and so every week i'm like okay i'm i should be done with asking that question i did you know like I, I just come back to it because it for me it's um no one has the answers but you know like as i compile <laughs> you know like so many feedbacks from everyone i just like make my own mind around it you know like you know like i'm okay and, and you know like my family's okay but um i have you know like i have deep thoughts about you know like the the people that are probably going to be coming out of that more hurt than, um, than grown, you know? Um, and I, you know, uh, you know, like at the end of the day, even though at some point we thought it was like, um, a growing experience, um, I would say that, you know, like even almost two years in, it is not a growing experience. So I did, you know, like we've, you know, I, I was talking about the cleavage of opinion, um, this is going to take a while to come back. You know, like there are people that you, you know, like either close or, you know, like a bit close to you that, you know, like have stated their opinion, like, wow, you know, like that guy's not going to be, you know, like it's not going to be invited soon, you know, like, or, or, you know, <laughs> you know like just like, ooh, okay. We're talking tinfoil hat here. And, you know, so I don't think, um, and that's without counting the social media, almost psychosis, um, and that, you know, like it's going to be, you know, like that, that pendulum is going to take a while to come back to, you know, uh, you know, like a sweet and comfortable center. Yeah. The, the argument around growth is such an interesting one because like I just saw a quote either yesterday or today that was around, like, we never stop learning or thinking something along the lines of thinking that you're education will end is laughable or something along those lines. Like education is going to be ongoing for the rest of your life if you so choose. And growth is just another one of those things where my, one of my personal philosophies that I've, I've bought into is that you continually get the same lesson over and over until you actually learn it. And here we are as a society getting the same lesson over and over slightly different 
different flavor of it as the time is passing. And, you know, obviously we have our individual lessons to learn. And then as, as well as a societal lesson, like as a society, what are we doing for the situation to get out of it, to even recognize what it is for what it is? Um, you know, there's still people after a year and a half that are saying it's still a hoax. And I'm just like, man, you got to get out of the house more. Like, I'm sure you have a buddy or a friend or somebody at this point that's been affected by a virus that does exist and has killed more people than any other event pretty much ever. Um, except for Holocausts around the world. Like, but seriously, like <laughs> wake up. <laughs> um, but but it's the first super hard, right? You know, like people get yes. gets convinced by that. You know, like that's yeah. where I say, you know, like the cleavage of opinion is just like, okay, you know, like I'm not gonna be able to convince that guy. You know, like that's it, yeah. that it is the other way around. You're like that's what you know, yeah. And that's one of the things that I I talk about with people is nobody wants to be wrong, and they will fight tooth and nail to not be wrong. And so what we have in society right now is a lot of people that are saying you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Here's the reasons you're wrong. Here's the evidence you're wrong. But I will fight it tooth and nail. And by the way, I have confirmational bias at my fingertips that proves that I'm right and that you're wrong. And so rather than actually saying, oh, your information actually makes sense. So, you know, that's the world we, we kind of live in at the moment of, of people not wanting to be wrong and they will fight. They will fight and they will fight. And it just doesn't matter how much evidence you put at them. Um, and it, and it's interesting because I've been in a couple online social, let's say discussions, I'm not going to call them arguments, about that where if people want to be able to question something and they're, they're not allowed to question it, whatever it might be, I have to ask them, I'm like, are you not able to question it or are you not able to comprehend the answers that are given to you? because there's a difference and you know some people will ask questions but they don't care what the answers are because it goes against their their previously set bias and what they already believe and because they don't want to be wrong they're not going to listen to the evidence whatever it might be and and i think that's one of the biggest problems that we have in society right now is people don't that don't want to be wrong and you know i i don't know how it is up there but down here we have media outlets that are specifically set up to stick with their bias no matter what like they rarely ever turn around from one broadcast to the next and say hey we were wrong here's here's the facts and you know our bad um because then they would lose they would lose people watching them and then they would lose uh, commercial uh, money. They would lose sponsorship. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And, you know, so it doesn't pay to, to switch from being wrong to or from being right all the time to saying, yeah, we're we made a mistake our bad. And, it's, and that's the frustrating thing. It's being. It's being challenged here in niche uh, talk uh, talk radio stations, but mm -hmm. you know, like we, we don't have um, TV broadcasting that challenges that much. You know, like you see it on social media, YouTube, Facebook, you know, and so on, but very much less so. Um, almost none on the um, you know, like on the TV broadcast, which is like the larger audience, right? Um, yeah. And the fact that you know, like the 
algorithms um, of all these platforms um, on the internet are so evolved that, you know, like my, my feet doesn't show up that kind of, you know, freakness. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, like I, you know, like I have really to dig, you know, like manually to find it, even though I know it exists, but you know, I can, you know, like some of the name are kind of mentioned in Twitter and some in, in pretty much a laughable matter, but you know, like it's, um, it's not as you describe it. And I would say that the cleavage here, um, in pretty much in Canada, you know, like, but, but, but mainly in a pro in, in our province is um the cleavage between you know like right and left is almost non-existent you know like there are more you know like there's obviously um camps that are more um toward left but it's it's really middle left um mostly um and you know like it gravitates between these two you know like middle right but you know like right ish and you know like but it's mostly uh, you know social democratic you know uh parties that are you know like that you know like that are actually fighting to get power so it's um you never see um and those rare instances where you see like there's like a new party that you know like was just launched and i think there are two you know like so <laughs> there's very little <laughs> chance to get voted in you know it's just yeah. like okay that's it 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 quickly sounds quite extreme uh, for us, you know, like it, it doesn't need to lean um, too much left or too much right before we just like go, whoa, okay, you know, like that's a bit too much, buddy. You know, like so, um, we're really sitting in the center. Even though for I know for for you guys at the south of the border, we look like extremely leftist. You know, so you know, like, I, you know, like I, I got to be careful about that. But you know, it is, um, and so you can. You can see from that perspective that you know like it would be um it would be quite daring to see you know, like a um like a tv broadcast embrace like um what we would consider an extreme um and so you know like even though you know like i you know like a lot of shitty media uh handling in the past two years you know like for me it, you know like there's something about uh either um exploding or, or, or exaggerating you know like you know like for example it's the fourth wave and you know like we saw like a you know like a little bit of bump up of the cases and you know, like you saw the media all over it you know like just going crazy like come on guys so like we're far from you know like what we had and we're probably the most vaccinated country at least in occident um and so in terms of pro rata so, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried, you know, like, so anywho, um, <laughs> let me get back to my regular pro scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> um, every week, Ben, you know, like I, I pretty much start off with, you know, like the upbringing, upbringing of my guests, um, only because, you know, like, I think it's important for people getting, get to know you, um, and people get to know where, you know, like where that conversation, conversation is going to lead where it does come from and um and yeah you know like tell me a bit you know like about your own bringing you know like kind of the family picture and you know like the uh the type of kid you were um all of that yeah so i grew up in a i'm gonna say a pretty loving household uh, my parents are still married they'll be doing their 50th wedding anniversary next year um 
And while it kind of looked nice on the outside, I definitely can see as an adult some of the things that were kind of missing from a, uh, one perspective. Uh, I know for me, my parents never really showed affection towards each other. I know they love each other, uh, but there was never like them sitting on the couch, holding hands, watching TV or arms around each other. Like when they would kiss goodbye, it'd be the like little short little peck on the you know face and see you later. Um, and then I would go out in the world and I would see people who are basically like jumping on top of each other out in public. And I'm like, what, how come my parents don't do that? Right. Um, my dad never really talked about what he did for work. And it's funny. My son was just listening to a TikTok, which <laughs> cracks me up. Uh, and somebody was saying like, Hey dad, what do you do for work? Like, how do you make your money? What kind of money do you make? What's the house worth? And, you know, growing up, they would be told that's none of your concern. And, you know, and then he gets into adulthood and has debt and is like, how come you have debt? Because nobody talked to me about money when I was a kid, you know, and I, I feel like that's kind of what my childhood was where, you know, my parents would just say no when I asked if I if I could have something rather than saying, dude, we can't afford it. Like we're barely making ends meet. Your dad has a job that's commission based. And if he's not making any money, we don't have money. Um, like I thought my dad had a corporate job where he would leave in the morning, go to work, get a steady paycheck and come back. So that's what I thought. I was supposed to do when I grew up. I didn't know that he was more or less an entrepreneur selling insurance and he had to go out and he had to find clients and he had to sell insurance and he had to do this all day, every day. And yeah, he probably could have worked 20 or 30 hours more per week, but he decided that, you know, he wanted his schedule, uh, but he didn't talk about it. He didn't talk about it in such a way that I understood that there were options. My mom, uh, was a perfectionist. Like everything had to be perfect. All everything had to be put away. Everything had to be cleaned. It's like everything had to be perfect. And of course, on the op opposite side of that was the worrying about everything. Don't do that. You'll get hurt. Don't do that. You'll hurt someone else. Don't do that. It'll be bad. You know, it's like all the, the bad things that could happen um, were thought of first rather than, Oh, that'll be fun or that'll be exciting, or yeah, you should definitely do that. That was always the negative first. So growing up, what I learned subconsciously is you don't get what you want, you can't afford it, and if it's not perfect, don't do it. And those are pretty traumatic things to grow up with if you really think about what that happens later in life. You don't um, take any chances, right? Exactly. You don't take any chances. You don't ask that girl out. You don't, uh, unless you know she's going to say yes. And that's just a crazy trap all in itself. Um, you don't go after any goals because why bother? You're not going to get it anyway. Um, you know, when, when, we, when we look at people who grew up in a really wealthy household, money comes pretty easy to them as an adult because they don't think twice about it because it's... It's a subconscious program of, I have money. There's always money. Money is a tool. I always have what I need, right? If you grow up with that as your societal norm, then that's what your subconscious creates growing up. 
anytime that you hear like a classroom where it's like, hey, if you grew up in the suburbs, take a step forward. If you grew up um, in a household with more than one family, take a step back. And, oh, now you're all going to throw a piece of trash into the trash can at the front of the room. You know, it's exactly that where, you know, somebody growing up in a rich household is going to move farther and farther up the room so it's easier for them to score that basket than somebody who was the opposite where they grew up having to get a job at the age of 10 to help support the family and you know so on and so forth or they didn't even have a house to grow up in they had to like go to school and use the bathroom there whatever it might be um i was fortunate enough to be closer to the other to the to the end of you know things being good and I don't want to sit there and dwell on like I had a shitty life and this is why, because I know there's plenty of other people that had it way worse than I did growing up. And also with all the personal growth that I've done, I've, I've learned like, okay, that's, that's stuff that happened because that's, that's how my parents grew up. That's what they went through as parents. They didn't know any better exactly. or any different. And so part of the whole process for me is forgiving them and forgiving myself for kind of taking on their programming to say, that's, that's what kids do. They take on the programming that that's given to them language. If you grew up in an English speaking household, you're going to speak English. That's programming. If you learn to eat with a fork and knife, you're going to eat with a fork and knife. If you grow up with chopsticks and that's what you use, then that's what you use growing up. Like these are per stuff that we do on a regular basis. That's programming that we get from as children from our parents. So the same thing with emotional intelligence, how we see the world questioning the news or not questioning the news. Um, and I think that's part of it is where a lot of people are just taught. If you see it on TV, it's true. Rather than if you see it on TV, ask a bunch of questions because somebody's trying to make money. <laughs> you know, it's it, a, a lot of people just aren't taught how to think or, you know, they're told to go to school, but they're not expected to do well or they are expected to do well. And, you know, then we grow up and, and now we have children and we, we have to decide was the programming we got the same we want to pass on to our kids or do we want different? And it becomes a conscious effort at that point. And it's, you know, anybody who's ever had to stop a habit cold, um, whether that's something as simple as like chewing your nails or something as dramatic as, you know, drinking or drugs, if you want to stop that, you've got to consciously make that effort on a regular basis until it becomes your new subconscious, subconscious norm. Um, and even then, you're going to have this little voice saying, but don't you want to again? Don't you want to go back there? And the new voice is going to say, no, no, I don't. Right. And, and for, you know, for any habit you're trying to break, when you first start trying to break it, it's really, really hard because that subconscious programming has been working nonstop for years and you expect to be fixed in a couple of days. No, you, you got to work on it for years. You got to work on it for a long time so that the new voice is louder than the old voice. And, you know, part of me growing up was I really ended up with no self-confidence. Going So going back to how I grew up, that was my world. I had no self-confidence because why bother? 
And so a lot of the work that I've done is creating this new voice of, I'm Ben, I'm a confident person, I have something to contribute to this world, and I'm a great guy, and I'm a lot of fun, and I'm really good at improv, and I've written some books, and things are awesome. And there's still that little voice that says, but are you? Are you good enough? Are you lovable? I'm like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm awesome. But are you? Yes, I am. And it's this, there's this constant battle in my subconscious mind. And all that I can do on a regular basis is continually build the self-confident part of myself so that the, um, the lack, this, the lack of self-esteem voice goes away and sits in the corner and it just shuts up. And here's the, here's the reality for anybody listening is you're not getting rid of the old programming. It is impossible. It will always be there at some level. All we can really do is turn the volume down and put it in the back of the room so that we can't hear it when it speaks. And you talk uh, louder than that voice. Yeah. You've got to create a new voice that speaks louder than the old voice. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing that I I've had to learn over the years is there's no magic wand. There's no way to just delete it from your programming. We don't, we don't have that technology yet that can go in and destroy single synapses in our brain so that we don't even recognize that, Oh, I was, I had this issue back then. What? No, we're, we're consciously aware of what issues we've had in the past or we're made aware of them through time and situations. Experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Experiences. And once we're aware of them, then we can do something more about them. Once we accept that there's this thing that happened or this thing that we think, then we can do something about it. And it's just such an interesting thing because a lot of people will say like, well, my, my cousin or my brother or my husband, he's got this problem. How do I fix it? And I said, do they recognize that they have a problem? Well, no. And I'm like, then there's nothing you can do. I mean, that's not technically true. There's plenty of approaches that can be taken, but you know, right away, the biggest hurdle is for them to recognize that they have a problem themselves. Otherwise they're never going to change because again, it goes back to this premise of nobody wants to be wrong. Now I don't have a problem. You have a problem. I don't have a problem because yeah. if I have a problem, I'm admitting I'm wrong that I've done something that I don't agree with within myself or with those around me. Right. And so getting somebody to admit that they're wrong is way harder than them getting to admit it to themselves. But once somebody admits like, Hey, I was wrong or, Hey, I have a problem. Then everybody can help move that forward. Everybody can help find a solution and that's the, it's just an interesting world to explore this whole personal growth and the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and the dynamic and fight between the two. It's, it's crazy, but interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, like, was there an event that make, made you make that realization? And was there like, um, kind of a, something like like i don't know like a you know like a, something that ignited that kind of need because mostly you know like it's like um 
there's definitely a parallel to you know like w- when I stopped drinking, you know, like that it had to be some kind of bottom up barrel. Uh, if I, you know, like if I can use that image, but you know, like there is a moment where it, it almost is your survival switch that lights on, you know, like you're like, oh shit, you know, like if I don't do anything about this, uh, I don't know what I'm going to go through it, you know? Yeah. So my, my trigger point, I grew up with the story of my parents meeting in college and they got married after college or something along those lines. And so I had it in my brain and my subconscious that you're supposed to meet the person you're going to marry in college. That's just that was the story I told myself of how the world works, because that's what I knew. And my parents, friends were the same way they met in college. You know, that was that generation. And here I was going into college, having not dated anybody in high school. And I made it through college without dating anybody in college. Uh, and. You know, I was out in the world trying to figure out who the hell I was and how come I didn't have a girlfriend and I wasn't married and like life was not going to plan. And, you know, I don't think that I realized that I had a choice until my parents came along and said, hey, there's this personal growth program that we just did. You know, do you want to check it out? Come to this, you know, thing. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I went to it and they were talking about like the different sides of a person, like the mental side, the relationship side, the spiritual side, um, and so on. And they got to relationship side and they said, do you want to have better relationships in your life? And that definitely hit me because I, I heard the word having a relationship as having a girlfriend rather than this just helps with all relationships around you, a relationship with yourself, the relationship with your parents, with your kids, with whoever. And so here I was, you know, early 20s saying, I feel like a failure and I want something different. And this program is saying I can have a girlfriend. It's basically how I heard it. <laughs> and so I, I started doing this personal growth work. And, and it's funny because somebody asked, they're like, how long after your personal growth work did you get your first girlfriend? And it was like six months. And so what I what I realized by doing this personal growth work is you know, I had a choice that I recognized finally where this self-doubt was coming from and why I had it and what I could do about it. And so it was kind of like finding a solution for a problem without actually knowing what the problem was. Uh, And not only was I getting the solution, but also understanding what the problem was at the same time. Um, So it was my bottoming out in that sense was I was a failure at life and I wasn't getting the things that I wanted. And I can't say that I was doing anything too, you know, bad for the body. I mean, I was very much into just video games and movies and sitting around the house and not going out and seeing people. Um, but I, I hadn't reached that point of turning to something else to, you know, get away from it all. So I'm, I'm grateful for that in that I never turned to drugs and alcohol or, or, you know, turned to prostitution or anything thinking there was no other choice for me. Um, not that I would be the prostitute, but going to prostitutes sort of thing. Like it, fortunately I just, I never went to any of those dark places. And I think part of that comes from my upbringing of like, that's just not an option. Um, 
So yeah, finding personal growth really, really helped a lot in so many different areas. And that led me to many other great things, which then even furthered that personal growth and furthered the self-confidence. And, you know, it's actually through all that that I found improv. And improv, I think, is the the key for me that really turned on that self-esteem and the self-confidence. Because when I get up on stage, I'm I've never felt more free. I've never felt more myself and I've never had more fun. And so it's just, but starting down that path, has just really, really brought me to a great place. And because you could, you know, speak your mind during improv, right? I, the piece that really fit for me with improv was that I couldn't do anything wrong. And if that, if we go from the contrast of, you have to be perfect and you can't do it unless you're going to do it right to this world where you can't do anything wrong is an unbelievable freedom <laughs> because if you get up on stage and you fail miserably, nobody cares. You're doing improv. If you get up on stage and you're brilliant, nobody cares because you're doing improv, but they're going to smile. They're going to have a good time and I'm yeah. going to have a good time doing it. But again, people aren't going to sit there and say, dude, you suck at improv, get off the stage and never come back. They're going to be like, I could never get up there and do what you just did. Bravo. I mean, that's usually what I get is I don't know how you get up there and do that. I, uh, they, they like freak out. I'm like, dude, improv is easy. <laughs> it's easier than most things. As long as you understand what improv is and how to do it. And it's not hard <laughs> and people think it's harder than it is and it's not. And it's just so freeing. And I, I definitely think it's one of those things that needs to be taught to everybody, especially kids in like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade before they hit puberty, before they start doubting themselves and the world changes around them. Cause if they have this tool that they can learn how to navigate life because life is improvised. We all improvise every moment of every day of our lives. So why not understand how improv works and the rules that are used in the world of improv? Because then you're going to be able to go through life much easier. You know, that bully walks up to you. It's not going to have the same effect as if you didn't know the rules of improv, that sort of thing. Um, when something bad happens to you, you're going to be able to brush it off way faster and way easier. And it's just such an amazing tool to have that I, I definitely think it should be taught to everyone. What, um, what initiated, you know, like you going to improv, you know, like what, what, what was the, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, cause you know, like <laughs> it's kind of not that, you know, like necessarily that, you know, the first instinct that comes into mind, were you invited, right. were you, you know, like, um, Yeah. Yeah, so it's an interesting thing because I would go to some improv shows and at the end of the shows, which I thought were brilliant and funny, and I'm like, I wish I could be those guys. Um, at the end of the show, they're all like, hey, we, we teach classes, right? And what I would hear at the end of that is, you should come do improv. Not you should come learn improv and then do it, but you should come do improv. and my whole thought was like, again, this goes back to the the self-doubt. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not funny enough. Like every reason why not. 
And so I never signed up for those classes. And it wasn't until I was dating somebody who decided that that was going to be one of their goals. They're like, I have a goal to go do an improv class. Well, I'm one of those people that if somebody else is doing it and it's something I want to do, I have a much easier time saying yes because I have that support going and doing it, somebody I trust going and doing it. And so it was really easy for me to say, do you mind if I come with and take this class with you? It was really easy for me to do that. And so, you know, and here's the person I, I'm dating at the time who I end up marrying. And we go to this class. And the first thing the guy says is like, there are rules to improv. If you follow the rules, you'll be fine. If you don't, you're going to have a horrible time up on stage <laughs> or something along those lines. And it's it was so freeing because I'd been taught to follow the rules. And... Yeah. So for me, it was like, oh, rules? Cool. I can follow rules. Let's do this. I'm good with rules. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he goes over the rules. They're very simple. He shows us how do they apply. And then we start learning the games and the subtleties and the fun stuff. And man, I was so at home doing the show for friends and family that I was, I just had the best time. I was like, I have to keep doing this. And so I took that class again, and then I took their advanced class, and then I, I joined an improv troupe, and I've been doing it for 15 years. And I will never stop doing it. It is too much fun. It is so enjoyable. And I actually, it's it's something that I teach now. I teach improv in like corporate settings for team building. I teach it to groups of people that want to just have a, a better view of life and a better way of handling life and, and having more fun in life. And yeah, it's just, it's so amazing to me. And yeah, that was, that was kind of how I got into it was somebody else said, let's go. And I went. <laughs> Would you say that, you know, like, um, and, and, you know, maybe it's kind of the takeaway of that because, you know, like it goes from, holy shit, you know, like I can, do and say whatever I want, you know, like that's the beauty of, you know, like, and I, 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 you know, like I did improv when, you know, like I was younger and you know, like there's, you know, like there's kind of this set or the framework on which you're going to perform. But after that, the sky's the limit, right? You know, like you, you, you actually have, you're being given every five, seven, three minutes, that playground of whatever situation or whatever. And, um, it goes from there, you know, like, so, so whatever the you know, situation you're being given is, you know, like you, you just go from there. Um, so that's, that's phenomenal. But where does the reflex to go from that to, um, this is something I can actually apply in my life. Um, would you, would you tell me a bit of that process or it came naturally or it came kind of, um, almost like, um, without you noticing yeah, that would be a spiritual awakening, if you will. Uh, and when I talk about spiritual, I, I'm talking about just a connection to something greater than myself. So whatever, like it's not religious based, um, you know, people call it what they want, whatever religion they're in. I was in one of the darkest places of my life after my divorce and now I was kind of ready to end it all. And I think the only reason I didn't was because I had a son and, or I do have a son and it, um, but I reached out to somebody who, you know, I'd been talking at various networking events that I'd been going to about 
energy work and, you know, like, Hey, if you have this issue, I can help. Or if you have that issue, I can help and whatever. And he just happened to be living in the same neighborhood as me. And I, I reached out to him and I said, dude, I'm, I'm like at my end, I need help. I don't know what to do. And, and he had me come over to his, his place and sat me down. And I went from the darkest place in my life to kind of the most peaceful I'd been in a really long time in one hour. And I was like, all right, dude, I don't know what you did, but, um, I know you do these weekly meditations. So I'm going to start coming to those. And I want to feel this peace more and more. And so I started doing these meditations on a regular basis. And I don't know, it might've been a year later, I was in the middle of a meditation and it was like, boom, here's what you get to do with your life. And it was just like this instant download of like, take improv to the masses, teach the masses how to use improv on a day-to-day basis, because you're using it on a day-to-day basis. You don't even realize you're doing it, but you are. And it's very freeing and helpful. And then I started to realize more and more as I, I started to explore this and play with it, I really do use improv on a regular basis without even thinking about it. When I'm talking to people, you know, I don't sit there and, and, and somebody says something to me and I say, well, you're wrong and here's why you're wrong. Like, I don't do that with people. I say, oh, that's an interesting uh, view. That's an interesting thought. Walk me through it. How, why do you think that way? What's what's your thought process? You know, it's it comes to a place of understanding more than it is trying to prove my point. Because what if they actually say something that actually makes sense and is factual and completely changes my world? Now, I just got to grow. I didn't make them wrong. And I have a better understanding of the world as well. Or what if by or what if by asking those questions, they start to recognize that maybe they're without certain information and they can now make a new choice. And so, yeah, I just use improv regularly and and through that spiritual practice and the meditation, it, it that's when it came to me of like, let's do this. Have you, um, you know, because, you know, like all of a sudden you you speak your mind, right? Um Have you had situation where people were um, either shocked or, or just like, wow, you know, like that's not the usual Ben, you know, like we've known for so long, you know, like that, you know, I mean, your parents or, you know, like someone that would be like, oh shit, Ben, you know, like that's losses filter <laughs> um, all of a sudden. Um, have you had those situation? Not too often. And the reason that I would say that is because the personal growth that I've been doing has, has, you know, changed me little bits at a time as, as time goes on. It's kind of like not realizing your child has grown, even though they're growing all the time. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, you're tall. Right. Um, the subtleties of change over time, if you're around the same people, they just sort of, it just looks like the normal path that it does it's not something big i'm sure if i went to like a high school reunion or something they'd be like who the hell are you you were this like meek little guy <laughs> with long hair in high school yeah but what i've also recognized is that i don't want to go to my high school reunion i hated high school i had i've not kept in contact with anybody from high school and i have nothing to prove by going back there i have nothing 
in common with the people that say that high school is the best years of their life because you know what? The best years of my life are right now. They're in front of me. Yeah. They've, you know, if if they're saying the best years of their life are in high school, that tells me that they have been doing nothing with their life moving forward. <laughs> and I don't want to be around people that are not doing anything with their life. Now, if they're saying high school is great and I'm having so much more fun now and in, in life as an adult with my kids and I'm exploring the world and those are the people that I want to talk to. And, but it's, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I don't associate myself with high school in any way that I want to go back and like relive it because it was such a traumatic experience for me. Um, and I would do it gracefully. I wouldn't like have PTSD or anything. It's, but I, I feel like I would be showing up to say, Oh, look, I'm Ben and I've done these things and I don't want to be a pompous ass or an arrogant asshole going back to high school and maybe at my 30th or 40th or 50th, I don't even know if I'll be alive then. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I will be, but maybe I'll change my mind. Well, maybe, but the way that I look at it, it's, it's not something I desperately feel the need to do. Um, I'd rather continue growing with people that I, I know are growing and do things with new people that I've never met before and just continue growing and exploring the world. Is this something out of maybe feeling like more solid to, you know, like that, that, you know, like the, the, the um, I don't know, like the, the, the feeling of, you know, like meeting with folks that, you know, like were either intimidating or, you know, like the, the, you know, like the loud mouth of the group and all that, you know, like where speaking your mind can maybe, you know, uh, be perceived as um, maybe too much, you know, like, and, and I, we're, <laughs> we're using the high school reunion, but um, it could be any, you know, professional gathering, right. You know, or, or even your weekly business meeting or whatever, where, you know, like speaking your mind sometime or just being. Um, yeah. Just there, a, there are people out there that say, you know, Ben, you're very intimidating. I'm like, me? I'm like the most accepting, least judgmental person in the room. What are you talking about? And, you know, they'll explain to me. It's like, oh, you speak your mind and you're you're up front and, and you share your thoughts and feelings and stuff like that. And it's like, that's intense. And I'm like, really? Okay. I, I mean, so I've been told that that I, I can be in that in that realm. So which is very different from where I was as a kid. Cause I was always the quiet, quiet guy in the corner, just watching the rest of the world do its thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, like it, it may sound like, Oh my God, you know, like almost brash, you know, like, like, you know, like it's funny because you know, like, like the, just saying like, I don't like that or I'm not going or, you know, like, do you feel like this or that? And like, <laughs> no, not really you know i was like wow okay you know like, sorry mr uh, big opinion is like well you <laughs> asked a question <laughs> yeah if you didn't want the answer don't ask the question exactly you know like so so it's really weird and and uh, you know like i'm guilty of that too you know like where um it goes both ways you know like the the first the feeling of um having a hard time saying no or just saying you know like um like, you know, like, someone's going to, you know, like, do I look good in that 
in that dress or whatever. You know, like just well, you know, like it's not, <laughs> you need to be super, you know, like and 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 I'm, t- you know, like it, it may refer to you know like your 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 loved one or whatever, but it's it's even more than that. You know, like it's it's at work where you know like how do you? Um, one of my best professional colleague once said, you know, like your best friend should be able to tell you that you have bad breath. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like. I, I, you know, like I, I, it, it was, I was kind of blown away by that. And, you know, like I was like, you're right. You know, like that's absolutely right. Um, and we were colleagues, you know, like where we'd go, you know, like to, to sales meeting and, um, and we allowed ourselves to, you know, get out of the meeting and just say like, that's not, that wasn't our best one. Where, you know, like in the past I would have probably say, Oh yeah, you know, like you know, like you know, there could be better days, but you know what, blah blah blah, you know, like and not find kind of um, constructive criticism, you know, around what happened, and you know, like my, you know, my that colleague, you know, once said, you know, like you, you, you know, like you, this, this wasn't your best one. It was really a bad meeting today. <laughs> and initially you're like, oh shit, okay, and hang on here, you know, like that's, you know, like that's a bit tough to hear. Um, but then again, you know, like we, 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 I would take it back to, you know, like kind of him saying, you know, like if, if you don't allow your best friend or a good friend to tell you these things, no one will tell you. Yeah. And, and you're not going to grow from good job, good job, good job. Right. And there's nothing, there's no growth there. And there's no growth on the other end of like, that was a complete and utter failure. You suck. You suck. Like that's not constructive either. It's like this worked, this didn't, we can learn from this if we explore it. Right. So yep. if, if it wasn't your best meeting, why, why wasn't it your best meeting? What did work in that meeting? What didn't work in that meeting? Then, you know, for next time, well, that didn't work last time. So either we need to change the approach for that thing or not do that thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is better. And and back to like telling somebody they have bad breath or they have something sticking out their nose. Like I'm the guy that'll walk up to somebody and say, hey, go to the bathroom and check your face out, you know, or whatever. Because, um, you know, I don't want to be the guy in the room that has something stuck to my face and nobody's saying anything. I'd rather have one person tell me to go check myself out because then I have respect for that person saying, hey, they were looking out for me. They care. <laughs> we're we're and, a bizarre machine, right? You know, like we're we're, yeah. we're <laughs> we are we're a weird machine. Like where you know, like you you, um, it's funny because you know, like on my on my mother's side, um, there was like the um, I don't know if it translate well, but you know, like grown for a small bread, you know, and kind of grown for, um, don't you know, um, ambition. You could be guilty of having too much ambition and you know like it's not only monetary but just like see yourself in um in kind of a bigger image um that was on my mother's side so my mother my my mom's sister which happens to be my godmother um still lives in a bachelor um doesn't have quite a job is husband either um you know, they have two sons, both, um, I wouldn't say, you know, like are professionally successful too much. You know, like it's really, 
kind of like born to you know succeeding too much you know like you should be like you, you're probably an asshole and um on my dad's side well at least my dad he would always tell me you know, like um well yeah. no problem you want to be the best be the best push it just fucking push it um mm. and just not necessarily in a you know like i do more of throwing uh, you know, like I try my best to throwing my kids out of their comfort zone. I've always said that, you know, like I'm going to put the bar higher than what you think, the, you know, like where you think the bar should be. I'm going to put it a, always a bit much higher, not in terms of putting too much pressure, but because I see that there's so much more potential in you than what you think you have. Um, but my father was just like, so you were the best at school? I said, yeah. My father would say, yeah. I said, okay, so how do you do that? Well, I just decided that I'd be the best. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would just surprise me. And um, I'm a self-learning guy. You know, like I, I pretty much you know, like had, you know, like I work in technology and I probably, I mostly had this in my brain, uh, in my blood, in my brain. My father has always worked in there was actually one of the first professional in Quebec with a bunch of others, but you know, like kind of the first wave of professional working in technology. So I had this in me. Um, I tried college. It was just a fucking disaster. Um, and so I decided to start to work, right? You know, like just go, go in out there. And I remember my, my dad said, you know, like you just decided not to take the I road, you know, like you, you, did, you didn't want the I way you wanted to take like that, that offbeat path of, you know, trails and, you know, bumps and, and, and holes and your choice, buddy, you know, like just enjoy. Um, and, um, and I, it, it kind of resonated much later into me, you know, like I would see people with, you know, like bachelor's degree and all that, you know, like, but I wanted to be the best. I wanted to just, it, it became almost like an obsessive thing of competing, almost competing against these people. Um, because of that, you know, like that saying that my father had, you want to be the best, be the best. That's it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to fight for it. Um, but I totally understand, you know, like that um, saying what's on your mind is something that still to this day, I'm 46 years old. You know, like it's super tough. You don't want, you, you don't want to, um, you don't want to disturb. You don't want to um, uh, hurt. You know, like it, it's, it's, um, sometimes uh, my guess is, you know, like you, you think too much through of that, you know, like you're just like, oh, this is going to hurt him or this is going to offend him where, you know, like probably when you, you would have said it, um, there would be none of that. Yeah. And, and there are still times where I'm like, don't say anything, you know? So I, I get it. <laughs> it's, it's not always the easiest for me to, to speak my mind and, you know, I'm also learning there are times where you just, you, you just don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like if you're invited over to somebody's house for dinner and they really just don't know how to cook, you know, you're not going to stand up and say, well, that was a horrible meal. Thanks. Anyway, you, you just, <laughs> there are certain times where it's like, that's just being mean. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Appreciated that, but it tasted like shit. Have a good night. Right. Yeah. You're not going to, there's certain times you just don't speak your mind and then other, and, and that's okay. You just, you say thank you. And if, if they invite you again, you just be like, do you know what? I, I'm not coming. I have plans, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, there's a sake of speaking your mind for your truth. And there's a sake of speaking your mind to hurt others. And the second one's just not worth it. You're not, you're not doing it to hurt other people. Um, you're doing it, if anything, to kind of protect yourself and set boundaries and, um, you know, ensure you're that, that you yourself are going to be just fine. So I don't know. It's, it's a very weird game. Uh, there's plenty of people that speak their mind for the sake of hurting other people's, uh, psyche or emotions and we call that emotional abuse and you know even then it's not always the truth that comes out when they when they say it so <laughs> absolutely absolutely have you decided you know like I, I, have you taken the path of trying to help others with that you know like with, with you know like kind of that you know like because there's even though you know like there's no instructions or or manual for you know like to do it you know like have you have you you know, like, did you fall into the category of wanting to share kind of that secret secret that you, you developed, you know, like of your success that you developed? To some extent, I would think so. Uh, um, you know, so one of the things that I teach is improv. And so I wrote a, a book specifically around improv and that one's called Living Unscripted. But in, in the process of teaching improv, I also came across this need to explore expectations. And, you know, I was talking about boundaries just a bit ago, and, and I feel like setting expectations is the same thing as setting boundaries. You know, it's like, this is what I expect of you. This is what I expect for you to do. This is what I expect for you not to do. Um, and a lot of that has to do with speaking our minds. And, and it's interesting because a lot of people don't want to share those expectations. They don't want to be specific because they're afraid of hurting somebody or losing that somebody as a friend. Because, you know, if I if I speak my mind and I set this boundary or I, I set these expectations, they might not like me anymore. You know, how often do we do that? We don't say something. We don't say, hey, you have something on your face because we don't want that person to say, Oh, I don't like you now because you pointed out that I have something on my face, right? Yeah. <laughs> when it's most likely the opposite of thank you so much for telling me I have something on my face. And so this world of expectations is something that I teach. And so in, in a way, I do teach people how to kind of explore their mind and whether or not they should share it or not. Um, you know, because a lot of times, you know, one of the questions that I ask people is, is your expectation reasonable? Is that boundary you're setting reasonable? And sometimes we, we have expectations of others that just aren't reasonable at all. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things is as being a parent, we have expectations that our kids know everything. They don't know anything. It's our job as a parent to teach them. And I'm not talking about math. I'm talking about emotional intelligence about how to interact with the world and how to have a conversation with somebody on how to treat the waitress at the restaurant, right? Or the wait staff, sorry, not waitress, wait staff, how to treat people walking down the road, you know, whether to open the door for somebody or not open the door for somebody, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's taken a lot of work for me to not get upset at my son when he doesn't know the answer to something that is so obvious to me as an adult because he's never experienced it before. He's never learned it before. And I have to take myself back for a second and say, it is completely unreasonable for me to expect my child to understand how to deal with this situation because he doesn't know. Right. And so how can I get up? Yeah. How can I get upset at a child when they've never been taught? Um, You know, we, we sit there with babies who are throwing food on the ground. They don't know. You haven't taught them yet that there's a consequence for throwing it on the ground. You haven't taught them yet that it sucks to clean. <laughs> yeah. Right. They, they start getting old enough where they have to clean the food up themselves. They're not going to throw it on the floor anymore because they realize it's not fun. Um, they're going to realize that when I throw the food on the ground, I don't get to eat it. <laughs> you know, there's, there's things we have to teach our children and not get upset with them when they don't know. And that's that's huge. And so the same thing with other people around us, when we expect them to act a certain way or do a certain thing, and we haven't told them, then that's it's not reasonable uh, for us to expect that of them because we haven't even talked to them about it yet. And even then, it may not be reasonable to request that of somebody. And um, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is when I schedule a meeting with somebody. You know, my expectation of myself is to be early, like five or 10 minutes early. Yeah. Um, I don't specifically say to them, I expect you to be on time or early. Uh, I, I've learned that I don't say that specifically. I don't set that expectation. But what I can do is say, just so you're aware, I'm usually five to 10 minutes early when I schedule something. Um, if I'm not there right on time, I will definitely be letting you know in some way that I'm running late. You know, so I let them know what to expect of me. And usually that will instill in them, hey, this person likes to be on time. They like to be early. They like communication. I will probably have to do the same thing if if this meeting or this relationship is going to work out. Um but I'm not making them wrong. I'm simply telling them my side of things. Now, if they choose to be late, they're going to be late. And I've also set for myself a boundary that says if they're if they're more than 10 minutes late in a world where we have so much technology at our fingertips that it's nearly impossible not to tell somebody that you're running late, then I've decided that that's a sign of uh, a lack of respect. Uh, and... I'm not going to sit around and wait for that. And so I will leave and I'll reschedule with them. Um, it used to be like 20 minutes and then it was 15 minutes. And now I've, I've just reached that point of 10 minutes um, just because we have technology. It's really easy to text or email and say, hey, I'm running late. Hey, let me call you and say, hey, I'm stuck in traffic or whatever. You know, I don't really care that you're giving me whatever excuse you give me. It's the fact that you reached out and said, I, I'm fully aware I'm supposed to be there, <laughs> but I'm not. And I know you're there early, so my bad. Let me buy lunch, whatever. Yeah. Um, but these are simple things that can be taught over time. And, you know, I could sit there and speak my mind and say, you know, I'm going to be there five minutes early. I expect you to be there five minutes early. That's a little more harsh when I tell them what I expect of them in the way that I, it was said, because there is a much more subtle way to share that expectation, if you will. 
and they might say, they might say in contrast, and this is another part of what I, I teach on, they may say, yeah, I'm usually five to 10 minutes late. It's very rare that I'm on time. So please don't, you know, don't get there too early because then I'll feel bad or whatever. But what they've done is they've, they've shared their expectation of themselves and we've more or less come to an understanding that I'm probably going to be sitting there for a while. They're going to show up later than the time that we've talked about, but now I expect it of them. And if they show up on time, that's a huge win for me. That's a huge win for them. And, you know, we're both feeling pretty good about ourselves. If they're 10 minutes late, I'm still expecting them to be 10 minutes late because they said five to 10 minutes late. So I might give them another five or 10 minutes at that point. But by sharing our expectations of ourselves in that, in that meeting, nobody's made anybody wrong. Nobody's put anybody on edge. We've simply shared our understandings of ourselves in this type of situation, which works really well. And, you know, negotiation is a huge part of setting expectations. It's a huge part of saying this is what to expect of me and and I want to know what to expect of you. It's an amazing yeah. tool if you use it correctly. I uh, <clears throat> I have to thank you to uh having been part of that, you know, like that 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 journey of mine. Um every week I meet with people that, you know, like just opens my mind to um so many things. Like it's just crazy. Um I have, you know, like, uh, I want you to share, you know, like, where can people find you? Uh, just repeat the name of the book. And and by the way, for people, just just don't pause and, you know, run for freaking pen and paper. Um, everything that, you know, <laughs> Ben's going to describe here um, is going to be found on the description of the episode. But just for the sake of um, people that have phenomenal memory. Uh, <laughs> uh, Absolutely. May, maybe want to share uh, where they can find you. Yeah, so I have two websites you can go to. The first one would be havingexpectations.com, and you can find out more about the book, what to expect when having expectations. And the other one that I was talking about with the improv and teaching that, uh, the website is successimprov.com. And so either one of those, you'll be able to find social media and other ways of contacting me or finding more about the books and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Um Thanks again. Really, you know, like it was, uh, you know, like it is, uh, really cool to, uh, you know, like to, to, to have, you know, like just, just opening people's mind and listeners mind on, you know, like other options. And, you know, it was, um, it was really appreciated, Ben, really. Um, and yeah. you know, <clears throat> it, it, it definitely had open mind, you know, like, um, yeah, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm going to digest this for sure. Big time. <laughs> Sounds good. It's yeah, fantastic. It was, it's been fun. Thanks for being part of that. Take care. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. -bye. Bye.